But a lot of the reasons why people will come to you as a wholesaler and say your property is worth nothing is because they have to do a lot of that work and they're going right. to blow up the amount of work you've done. Um, but if you do the work, you get the value. It's kind of like with anything. If Imagine if folks really out here celebrating $10,000 with student loan relief. They're celebrating it. $10,000 with student loan relief. You know what is better than Joe Biden? $10,000 ain't moving the needle for me. I got law school to pay for. $10,000 did not move the needle for a lot of people. But you know what moved the needle for me? Was me getting out there and doing it for myself. I did the work. I get to reap the upside. So I'm not worried about $10,000. $10,000, I'm not worried about that. Tweet Talk, episode 137. We on the what it sounds like to be the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganet himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. I am your host, Raphael Husbands, along with my co-host, Charles Oglesby, JD. Welcome, welcome to Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, where we discuss Building Black Wealth, if we break down these financial tweets. What's going on, Charles? What's going on is contractors are retarded. I got a contractor who's taken over four weeks to get a job done, and he's sending me texts asking for money. And I said, I need to see things completed before I send you money. I said, it's been four weeks. His response was, if that's how you feel, I was like, no, it's not about feelings. It's about facts. Mm. I send money for work that gets done, not for time that passes. So therefore, you got to start playing hardball with these folks, man. Got to start playing hardball. I've, I've realized I was sitting down the other night and I was like, man, what's interesting about a contractor is they'll put you in a position where you lose over and over and over again. And they'll never be in a position personally where they lose. They'll make sure that they don't ever lose, but they'll, they'll constantly make sure that you lose. That's not how business gets done. You can't build a business off of one transaction. It has to be multiple transactions, multiple clients, multiple customers. And so I'm at a point now where I'm playing hardball with these folks. Um, I'm not their friend. I'm not their friend anymore. Um, we're not friends. We're not homies. We entered into a relationship to get something done. So it needs to get done, period. That's what's going on. Trying to finish this house. Um, I'm just trying to finish this house. Painting shouldn't take this long. Painting should have been done. A lot of folks dropping the ball. Mm, okay, okay. Well, I saw you have a. I saw you put out a tweet where you said changing states to speak is a low key flex. How was the Hive Mind conference over the weekend? Um, hold on one second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you, muted. Dang, dang. Uh, so basically what I said is that I'm back in my zone. Um, Charles Oglesby tied me in there. Um, how my conference is really cool. The whole experience was cool. Um, I think what made it the most cool for me is the fact that it was so close to Miami. So I was just so drawn to Miami so much that like as soon as I got off the plane, I drove to Miami. So I got off the plane. My I got the car right next to where the hotel was. I checked into the hotel. I might have changed my shirt immediately got on the phone or got immediately got on the car 
to uh um shoot out to Miami. Shoot out to Miami. There's a lot of things going on in my life right now. A lot of people sending me text messages, asking me questions, and it's always about money. It's always about money. Two text messages I got in the last 30 seconds. This person wants you to sponsor something. This person wants you to send the money for the thing. It's always about money. These folks will bleed you dry. Don't let them bleed you dry, y'all. Um, don't let them bleed you dry. They will bleed you dry. Broke people only know how to make other people broke. If their thermostat is broke, they don't understand the concept of, con- of conserving money because they don't conserve money in their own life. And so they're not going to allow you to conserve money. They're going to think that just because you have money that you should be doing something or giving it to them. Because that's a broke mentality. A broke mentality spends what they have, and they're going to spend what you have if they're attached to you. They're just going to spend, 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 always finding something to do. For example, um, one of my family members had a situation where they couldn't bury their grandma, and so they were like, send me all these text messages, text after text after text after phone call after phone call. And I was like, bruh, like, this is crazy. I didn't realize what was going on until after it was over. I was like, man, like, they were really just leaning on me to make this happen for them. And so, like, that was one thing. I did it. But then it's like I have another cousin with this house, and I'm finding, like, she only hits me up when it's, like, about some money. Like, it was about, oh, we got this bill. We got this bill. And they never really say, like, this, like, give it to me. It's like, oh, I got this problem, 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 problem. And so you got to protect what you got, man. Once you get it, you got to protect it. And you oftentimes got to protect from the people that are closest to you, which is crazy, which is crazy. So Hive Mind Conference was Really cool. Um, I think one of the coolest parts for me was going to the VIP dinner where I need to start doing this more. But when you think about it, if you go to a speaker's dinner, everybody up on that on that stage is one qualified to speak two very successful and three, somebody that somebody wants to be around. And you're just around nothing but those people. It kind of blew my mm-hmm. mind to literally be around a bunch of just dope people. Everybody at the table is just dope. I'm sitting across the way from a dude, a, a young brother who's making like 100K a month. I'm sitting next to a guy who's doing like crazy flips and owns a bunch of rental properties. Sitting next to another kid who's 19, owns like 27 doors. We're just talking about different strategies. Had another conversation with the dude who owns McLaren. He does ground up development, builds homes from the ground up, luxury, luxury, luxury homes in Miami. So I think the VIP dinner was the most amazing thing for me. For me as a speaker, I think I provided a lot of value. Um, I did two different things. I wanted to drop gems and tell my story. So I did a combination of both. I, I dropped the gems, I ended it with my story, and then I hit them with the close. And so my thing is I'm constantly tweaking my performance. So every time I, I speak, I record it because I want to watch it back. I want to see, okay, I didn't go into detail there, but I should have gone into detail there. I, sh- I should have had more points because the points were more concise when I was speaking than when I was going. My time went a little short. So mm-hmm. just learning and tweaking and refining this whole process also learned respectfully that I got to stop doing certain things and not being compensated for it. The reason being is if I'm going to give your audience the most value. I need to make sure that I'm getting value. And so I might sound crazy but you're going to get a better presentation from somebody when you pay them for it. It's tough to really be motivated and inspired for something that doesn't pay the bills, but I'm definitely glad that I got a chance to do it. Um, it was, it was a cool experience. Just going to Miami, going back and forth to Miami. That was a cool experience. That's cool, man. That's interesting. You talk about going to the speaker's dinner. Um, that's cool because it's like, we, you've talked before about, you know, going to conferences and what you how you benefit you know people say like um 
go VIP. It's good because the people that are in there, they pay that extra, so it's good to be around them. But it's like interesting. It's so many different levels. It's like when you go to a conference, you're around people who are trying to learn, people who are trying to improve, people with the right mindset. Then you the step up is you go to VIP. You're you're around people who are probably already successful. And they were willing not only to learn, but to pay the extra. So it's like, man, there's a higher level. But then you speak sitting with the speakers. Like you said, everybody's already qualified. Not only did it's not just people that paid, it's people that were willing that people paid to see. So it's like an even higher level. That's crazy. Right, right, right. That's and then, cool. of course, it's cool having that connection with the people who put on the conference, getting the insight there. Um, you know. Fort Lauderdale is hot, man. And it's a different kind of hot. It mm. is a different kind of hot. That's one thing I definitely noticed. It's very humid. And it's funny because um, like the way I do it is when I travel on a plane, I got to wear like I can't. Um, it gets cold on planes, really cold on planes. And so what I did is when I first got on there on the plane, I had on like some pants. As soon as I got off that plane, I'd take the pants off. It was hot. And then when I got to the airport going back home, I had on pants, I had on shorts. And then as soon as I got into the airport, I put my pants on. But what was crazy is like the walk across the way from the parking structure to the actual terminal, I was already sweating. Like, I don't know what it is. You just be sweating. But I guess you just kind of get used to the sweat being on your body. Because when you golf in, the sweat just be there. You be wiping it off, sweat come back. But man, it's just so humid. And then when I got back to California, it was 70 degrees, no humidity. I was like, wow, this is amazing. I love it here. <laughs> so I always say, like, I hate California until I leave California and come back. But I mean, there's a lot of similarities between Florida and California, honestly. What's so? Is it how so? Yeah. Um, You're saying the heat is different. One is dry. Uh, dry. Well, it gets cooler at nighttime out here. So out here is like 70 degrees at nighttime. Out there, it's still 90 degrees at nighttime. So that's a big difference. Um, it's a little bit more pleasant, but it's still like you can, it's it's not cool like it is in California, even though it's close to water. Um, I think it's more Southern than California. So like Florida, the tip of Florida actually goes more South than California does, I believe. I'm pretty sure it does. Um, so it's closer to the equator. It's a little bit more tropical. Um, that's one thing I would say. Um, but I mean, when you get off the, like, for the most part, it looks like California, you got the palm trees, it's real open, the freeways, they have a ton of freeways, um, which makes, uh, traveling easier. They got the toll, they got the toll roads, fast track, that kind of stuff, clear skies, nice sun. So if you're just like in the car and you don't feel the humidity, it looks just like California. As soon as you step outside, like, dang, it's in California, but I like it. <laughs> I would. I think it's a great place to vacation. I think it's a great place to take the family for a vacation. So I kind of want to do that. That's one of the things that I want to do. I'm also kind of like that. It's a red state because I think that red states are a little bit different. They interact with wealth, specifically black wealth, a little bit different. Um, whereas I think blue states, I don't know. It's kind of different when it comes to like black wealth and and black financial success just from my experience um still racism still a lot of folks you know kind of leery of you because i mean you go into these spaces especially fort lauderdale not a lot of black folks and not a lot of black folks who are actually like progressive in my opinion unless they're traveling in 
Um, what's interesting is I ran into a lot of Haitians, a lot of Jamaicans. Um, but one of the most crazy experiences that I had is I went to this grocery store and I was like checking out with some stuff because I needed to like take some stuff back to the hotel. And actually it was a 7-Eleven. It wasn't even a grocery store. And there was two ladies in there who were working, two black chicks. And they were just like standing around. And so I went in there, I got my stuff and I was like standing at the front counter and like nobody like budged to help me. So I was standing there and I was like, oh, like, can somebody help me out here? They're like, oh, you in a rush? And I was like, oh, wow. I was like, um, I'm not in a rush, but I mean, I wasn't even acknowledged. You could have told if you were doing something, you're busy. You could have been like, hey, I'm busy. I'll get to you in a second. And that have been cool. They didn't even acknowledge me. I'm just sitting at the counter just looking like a fool. It's like that was a weird part to me. But um, then when they did finally check me out, I was like, well, I thought it was self-check. I didn't know. She's like, I wish it was self-checkout. Then people stopped bugging me. Oh, like, this is wow. an interesting, interesting place. People just feel like they could say stuff to you like that, like that. But um, I mean, ups and downs. Ate a lot of really good food. There's this place called El Camino that came highly recommended. It was Mexican soul food. Mm. I never heard of Mexican soul food. Um, but what I ordered there was a brisket um, burrito. It was actually very good. Very good. They put like some mole on top. It was a delicious burrito. Um, I wanted to go to a steakhouse, but I ended up going to Fogo de Chao. And that was a really cool experience. I never been to Fogo de Chao like that. And so it was cool. They just bring out different kinds of meats, all different kinds of meats. And they bring in like mashed potatoes, different hot sides. And then you can go and get some different things from this little like veg, like salad bar low key. So that was a cool experience. And that's where we had the the VIP dinner. So I'm actually really glad that I went. They had another dinner, another mixer like the night before. I did not go to those. Um, I was just chilling, relaxing, trying to recover from six hours of golf and humidity. It's a hard, it's a hard not life, brother. This uh, Camino uh, Mexican soul food fusion is was it run by Mexicans or black folks? I did it through Uber Eats, so I don't know. Mm. But uh, I didn't really get much of a soul food vibe from what they had. Um, I didn't see any soul food items on the menu, but uh, that's just what it said on the bag. But I mean, the burrito tasted like it had some soul to it. (laughs) (laughs) The burrito tastes like they put some effort and energy into it. It wasn't just thrown together. So that was, it was good. I also got some fish tacos. The fish tacos are okay. I didn't get a chance to eat the Spanish rice or the beans because I asked for utensils. They didn't bring utensils. If you're in a hotel, getting utensils is not the easiest thing to do. They don't really like to give you utensils. They want you to like, eat at their restaurant so if you go down there asking for utensils mm. sometimes it can be kind of a tough conversation to have it's like i got my own food i need utensils right you Plus walk around probably, in a circle trying to get some utensils probably think you're gonna steal them too anyway maybe that's happened when i went to and then you don't want to like call room service for just some silverware i've done it before but i don't want to do that this time uh room service is kind of unique these days some rest some hotels have it some don't but one cool thing is they're back servicing rooms they were, they were getting a cop out with that stuff, not servicing rooms. You go stay in a hotel, they don't bring you no towels. They don't make your bed no more, but they're back. Every single day I had a made-up bed and I had fresh towels. It made me happy. And so shout back. out to that. I'm back in hotels. I don't know if I'm I i don't know if I'm going back to Airbnbs. I don't just want to be in some random neighborhood where there's like, because, you know, if you're in like the city where there's hotels, there's more, it's safer there. They have an incentive to make it safer. If you're just in somebody's neighborhood, Man, cops might not ever show up. You just out there in the middle of nowhere. You you stand out like a sore thumb because they see you pulling up and loading suitcases and stuff. And they're looking at you like, I'm kind of good on Airbnbs for a while. If I'm doing an Airbnb, it's going to be a large one for an event, not just a 
Right. I'm going to just have an, a hotel alternative because you don't even really save any money. They end up mm. like it, it's advertised as, sell, as saving money. And then what happens is they tack on all these fees and all these surcharges. And you're paying just as much if you go to a hotel, except you don't get hot water. You don't get uh, the toiletries and whatnot. You don't get fresh towels every single day. You don't get your bed made. It's kind of played, kind of played low key. Yeah, you could uh, be paying for uh, Airbnb in, in the hood, hood. Like I've seen, I've heard of places like I was like, what Airbnb in that spot? It's like, good no. on the pictures because they just show you the inside. They don't show you the neighborhood. You pulling up like it's like bando, 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 new development, <laughs> and you just over here like in a new development next to bando. You like the beginning of gentrification. Mm-hmm. Now you talked earlier about protecting yourself. Now we know life insurance is all about protecting your income. Why am I getting such an echo? But you had a tweet where you said rich people don't need life insurance. Man, I was I saw this this thing by Alex Hermosi and it made a lot of sense. Insurance companies are not your homies. Insurance salesmen are not your homies. A lot of the information is being pushed online about insurance and how you can use it as a banking tool and all this other stuff is by insurance salesmen. Take your advice from rich people, not sales people. It's a lot of people on the internet giving you advice and they're salespeople. And so he really, I, I, it kind of triggered because I was at the dinner and this girl was asking me questions about life insurance. And I told her that I have a policy and um, she was asking about like whole life insurance and why I don't have whole life insurance. And I don't have whole life insurance for a few reasons. Firstly, it's way more expensive to have whole life insurance for a less premium. Yep. So what I pay for a 20 year policy, it will be double that to have like a tenth of the, the, the cash value or a, a tenth of the death benefit. Right. So you're paying double to get less. And so then they say, oh, well, it's cash value. Well, damn near like 60, 70 percent of what you're paying isn't cash value. You're saving pennies on the dollar. Yep. And so I told myself I'd rather and give then they you keep pennies. It. Of, say it again. And, they keep and then it. they keep it. And so they I'm, keep it. I've, I've heard of too many stories of people's policy lapsing right at the end of their life for me to be like, uh, let me do this. So I think term is the more intelligent way to do it. I'm pretty sure that's what Dave Ramsey recommends. I'm pretty sure he recommends a 20-year term policy for a few reasons. You need life insurance in case you pass away and you have kids who are younger than 18. I don't want to pass away right. and then my son is homeless. I want to pass away and then we use the death benefit to pay off the house. And now he has somewhere to live for the rest of his life. I want and then knowing that if I live past that 20 years, the house will be paid off already anyway. So I don't right. need to worry about that. And then what happens is you actually leave him your assets. And so the goal shouldn't be to shortcut it with life insurance. The goal should be protect your wealth with life insurance, not make life insurance your wealth generation uh, plan. Yeah, and I've talked about insurance. this before. I've talked about it's exactly it's supposed to insure your assets. When you're working in financial advising, when I used to work in financial advising and financial planning, the base level of what you're doing is life insurance, not life insurance for the sake of like, hey, man, when we die, we're going to cash out. It's life insurance in the sake of so that when you die, you don't have to destroy your assets to take care of your responsibilities. A lot of folks who do die with assets and no insurance, they end up having to deplete all their assets to take care of their responsibilities. What's supposed to happen is your life insurance is supposed to take care of your responsibilities so your kids can obtain your assets. Therefore, your responsibility 
It's both. It's twofold. It's to get insurance and also to get assets. Now, the thing is, ideally, what you can do is if you eliminate all your obligations throughout your life, the next 20, 30 years, now you don't even need life insurance to take care of the obligations because the obligations have been taken care of with your work and income. And now you're just leaving them your assets. A lot of people are trying to shortcut things all the time. They think life insurance is a shortcut. I pay you a hundred bucks a month. I get a million dollars. That That's their goal. Not realizing that more than likely, if that's your only goal and you live past the term of your insurance, you're still left with nothing. Or if life insurance is your only goal and it lapses, now you're still left with nothing. So your goal is twofold. Protect your assets and grow your assets. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a weird argument, man. Like when I first started learning about life insurance, it's like this doesn't make any sense on any level. Like first my I, I tried to get life insurance. Guy came to my house. I asked him to give me a quote on $250,000 worth of uh, term life. And he told me it was something like 20 bucks a month or whatever the price was. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 inside money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. I'm like, cool. And then he said, he, he said, like, listen, but since you don't have any assets right now, instead of pr- trying to protect an asset that you don't have, you should get a whole life and like build an asset. And I was already hip to the game, but I decided to listen anyway. So he was telling me, for the same twenty bucks a month, I could get twenty five a twenty five thousand dollar benefit a whole life. I'm like, so I'm paying the same price to get a tenth of the benefit if I die. It's like, man, come on, man. You got to do the math. If you do the math and you look at how much money you're paying the insurance company and how much you retain as cash value, it's almost like you're paying fifty thousand dollars to get twenty five thousand dollars. That's if you're lucky, more like two thousand. It takes forever to build up. And I never understood the whole borrow the money that you have to pay back with interest. Right. You, it's a fraction of the money you put in. You, you borrow it. You got to pay it back at interest. You say, oh, you're paying yourself interest. Like, come on. Come on, man. When I was um, when I was uh, selling insurance, it didn't make sense to me. I would look at the math. I was like, ain't nobody going to go for this stuff. It makes no sense. <laughs> it didn't make any, I'm, I'm, I had a California life insurance license. I was able to sell life insurance. And so a lot, like I'm saying, a lot of people call on these apps and they do two things. Either they're a salesperson, they're trying to convince you something, or they assume that you don't have the knowledge to even dispute what they're talking about. I've sold insurance. I've done both actually insurance sales for an insurance company. And then I've also done insurance sales as a function of a uh, financial plan where you're actually putting together financial plans for people. I should get back into that. That was kind of a cool thing. We would literally sell $3,000 financial plans to people. 
and you would like get all their information, populate it, build out this map. It was really cool stuff. Use this software to do it. I should do it. I have the I have the reach now. Um, just got to get those licenses back, and I don't be having time to study. I should just walk in there and see if I can just take the exam as is without studying. But yeah, um, I'm not saying don't get like we're not saying don't get life insurance. Definitely sure. get life insurance. But we're saying be educated on the entireties that go into wealth, not just the quick fix that you think is going to get you a million dollars. Yeah, get out of the quick fix mentality. Insurance is insurance. Like it's not an investment, and that's not that's not what it's for. And also, not only are we not saying to not get life insurance, but also for me personally, I'm not telling you to not get insurance. If you even if you're broke and you don't have any assets, you should still get life insurance, Mm -hmm. especially if you got a family, especially if you got kids. Absolutely, it's it's irresponsible to not have life insurance if you have kids. It's irresponsible to, and that's why, like when I had a son, the very first thing I did was get life insurance. And then as my assets increased and we bought a house, I had to reassess my life insurance. So as your circumstances change. Yep. You should be reevaluating your entire picture. So when I first got my life insurance policy, we didn't own a home. I didn't need any. I didn't. The only thing I needed money for was to take care of my student loans and to make sure that they could afford to bury me. Now I had to double it so that I can make sure I could take care of the student loans and also make sure that I can take care of the house if need be and leave them with something. But my goal is to leave them with the assets that we build and buy, not to be like, man, life insurance is going to pay you out. You're going to cash out. On the life insurance, if that happens, great. But you owe it, uh, you owe your children the responsibility to build true wealth and protect it with insurance, as opposed to using insurance as your wealth play. But at That's the very the least, point. at the very least, if you're broke, still have the life insurance because at least they can get something. First of all, gotta gotta be able to bury you at the very least. Second of all, at least try at least try leave them something. Like I know there's a guy that. At least- you need at least 10% or like uh, you need at least $10,000 in like burial yeah. insurance to take care of that. You, you should at least have that. You can get that for pennies on the dollar. I just, it's interesting how the internet is so enthralled with life insurance. I like to always present the counter opinion. It's I like to thing. say, Hey, you're thinking about it this way. Maybe you should think about it another, another way. Maybe this guy, what he's saying is valid. A lot of people are in the comments on that post saying, no, yep. no, he's stupid. Uh, and they have like these very well thought out. And I always look at like who the person is saying. And it's usually like somebody who's selling insurance. They had to drink the Kool-Aid. That's the thing. And the way they sell it is that they get the most honest, well-meaning people. And they convince them that they're doing something good for the client. So, of course, when they go to sell it to you, you never smell you never smell like dishonesty on them. Because they think they're doing right by you. 100%. Like there's no... You never smell BS because they're not BSing you. So even if it doesn't work for you, they're so honest with their approach, and they believe so much in it that you will never, you will never uh, think it's the wrong thing. For sure, make sure y'all do your own study and make your own decisions. So Charles, you said digital products are cool. MRR is a little better though. Yes. What is MRR? Raphael said, "What is MRR? MRR is monthly recurring revenue." MRR requires no more promotion, meaning you get the customer once and you have them forever. And I had this thought because a lot of my subscriptions were hidden last night. I haven't really had a lot of time to promote or advertise. I've been whenever I travel, traveling people, people always wonder like when I'm traveling, why I'm kind of like inaccessible is because traveling puts you on sensory overload. Everything is new. And so you're always being hit with different things. The weather's new. 
The sounds are new. The smells are new. The food is new. Everything is new. And so it's like information overload. Even if you're driving, it's like, all I can really do is capture the content. And so it's difficult for me to like create self flyers and promote self flyers and really keep a track of what I'm doing when I'm at home because I'm just like borderline disoriented. Like you're kind of disoriented because you're just spinning trying to, you don't even know, like you're driving down the street. You don't know what's coming up down the street. You're just hoping that there's going to be a restaurant down there if you didn't map it out. So sometimes I'm like driving back to the hotel. I'm like, I hope I drive past something. I can get somewhere to eat. I don't know. I don't know what the stoplights are going to do. I, uh, my last day there, I was driving down the street and I finally got the situation where the bridge raises up and they're taking a boat through. I'd never experienced that my entire time time there, but that was the time that I experienced it. Mm. And so like that was completely new to me. I never experienced that before. But like information overload, um, you don't know where things are. You don't know what's what. And so um, but during all this time, I kept getting sales for the different subscription businesses that I have. And I was like, this is cool. I'm on the plane, just getting notifications. I'm asleep, just getting notifications. I didn't have to send out no emails, no nothing. It just hits. And so I'm the kind of person that I like to study people who are ahead of me. And I would say that Chris is ahead of me and still ahead of me. And I was like, he completely pivoted his business model. He only does the subscription now. And for a while, like keeping it 100, when Options Community was at max capacity, that was my favorite business. That was my favorite business because I knew I didn't have to do nothing. I'll make 100K. I didn't have to mm. be creative. I didn't have to send emails. I didn't have to do anything. And so MRR is dope in that sense. But also MMR, MRR is dope because now you're creating a business that can be sold. Now you're creating a business where you can say this business generates a million dollars a year. If you cap that out at four, five, six, it's a six million dollar business. Now you can sell it for $6 million. So you can sit there, you can get your $100,000 a month, or you can take your one-time payment of $6 million and walk away. And so monthly recurring revenue, in my opinion, is a superior business, even to digital products. People don't, like, once they input their information, that's it. You don't have to send them another invoice and say, hey, do you want to buy this? Hey, do you want to hit click purchase? No, they click purchase. It's in there. They're pulling the money automatically. And that's why a lot of businesses like it too. They just love to just be just jacking your money. You just sitting like, dang, why I keep getting hit with these notifications? They just be jacking your money. Almost every business is is a subscription business, but I, I think Netflix kind of coined that model. There might have been other people out there doing it, but I think Netflix kind of like took it to the to the extreme. And what I like about Netflix is they're still affordable. And so you don't think about the 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 expense. There's a lot of companies out there with these subscriptions, and they're like a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. I have a constant contact a subscription that they will not let me cancel. I've tried. It's 200 bucks a month and they try to snatch it every single month. I changed the credit card number. They try to snatch that thing every single month. Constant contact. <laughs> Click funnels, 100 bucks a month. There's all these like $100 a month subscriptions. You start looking at like, I'm really paying you guys like $1,000 a year. That's kind of crazy. And so those need to get canceled and need to get replaced with something that makes more sense, in my opinion, in my current situation where I'm trying to decrease a lot of the overhead. And so um, MRR is superior to digital products. Figure out a way to turn your business into a subscription and you will make money hand over fist all the time. You can start replacing bills. So Black Business Click did it. They created a subscription that brings in an extra $1,000 a month. $1,000 a month going to pay for a Range Rover. All you got to do is create MRR. I used to look at it. I was like, man, this business is bringing in $100,000 a month. I could drive any car that I want. Any car that you want, it doesn't bring in 100K a month anymore because I got a lot of competition, a lot of competition, a lot of competition. 
Um, and so, but let's say it's bringing in 20K a month. 20K a month, a Rolls Royce costs 5K a month. You can drive a Rolls Royce. All you got to do is create that recurring revenue. That's what makes the passive income concept so dope is because it's recurring. It's not one time. So that's all I would say. And on that note, folks, if you want to um, hear more of these type of conversations, but more in depth, be sure to join the Millionaire family at moneyteamtc.com. Join us, man. Behind the, the scenes, conversations, and much more value that you won't get on YouTube or on the podcast. You know, and plus, we need to get Charles a Porsche. I'm just kidding. Mm. <laughs> just kidding. Come get this value, people. Now, Charles, you said um, the person willing to do the work when they are uncomfortable or unprepared wins. That's an old tweet. I want to talk. I want to talk about old stuff. Nah. No, no. I, I saw you retweeted. Uh, Kenneth Craver said, "Kenneth, yeah, Kenneth Craver said, winners could lose it all and get it right back. Winners is a state of mind." Larry June said, "Money comes and money goes, but but knowledge remains." And I think one of the coolest things about like accomplishing things is you learn how to accomplish things. So therefore. If you ever have to get back to a certain spot, you know the steps that it takes. So you kind of become your own mentor. A mentor, a lot of times, is just somebody who's done it before. And so now you're in a position where you say, hey, nah, we're not doing that. Like, I was thinking about this, like, maybe yesterday. I was like, you know what? I think it's time for me to get in conserve mode again and grind it out. I think it's time for me to go lean, go frugal, and and grind it out. But I know how to do that. I know how to abase, and I know how to abound. There's a there's a scripture in the Bible and he talks about that. It's a very well quoted scripture, um, but a lot of people don't read the scripture that comes before it. And that scripture is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But before that, he says, I know how to abase. and I know how to abound. I know how to go lean and I know how to live well. And so the knowledge remains. And so that's kind of what I'm looking at is, all right, if I start conserving, if I start getting the money that I'm bringing in and building back up that asset column again, because for a while, what I was doing is I had my assets as they existed and that was it. I was just like, all right, that's it. But one of the best ways to grow your investment portfolio is with new cash. So if you want to grow your investment portfolio, it's establish your base and then continue to add to your base, continue to buy new stocks instead of just like sitting around waiting, looking at your stocks, which keeps you active bringing in new money. So you're growing, you're learning, you're developing. And then you're also in position where you're growing both the principal and you're growing the gains on said principal and the existing principal. And so that's, I mean, it's a very basic thought. And what I'm, what I'm learning you guys is a lot of stuff is common sense. I'll go and I'll tell people stuff and it's common sense. It's not that deep. There really isn't any information out there that is that deep. The difference is, are you going to persevere through difficulties? Are you going to sacrifice and work when other people are are, are chilling? There's this girl on Twitter. She's like, I don't want to get out the bed today. I was like, cool, I'm going to beat you. You don't want to get out the bed today? I'm grinding today. Those are the people that we're going after because they don't want to do anything. But the worst thing you can do is fall into that where you see somebody say, like, I don't want to work today. You're like, I don't want to work today either. We all going to be lazy. It's like, nah, fam, we got to get it today. And I think that going to uh, Miami definitely inspired me in that capacity because it's like different levels. California, we got a lot of nice homes. We don't got homes you can pull a boat up to. 
And that was crazy to see that. I don't know if there's a lot. I mean, there's some homes down there in certain areas, but it's not as prevalent as it is in Miami. Everybody got boats out there. There's a lot of boats out there. Mm, boat life. Boat life. Yeah. And the thing is, the, the winning mindset is that's why you see a lot of, and you talked about this before, but you were talking about um, female athletes, but athletes in general, you know, after after the sports is over, as long as they get into business, they usually do well. If they um, if they were thinking about it early on, the athletes get into business, they usually do well because they, they know what it takes to win. Shout out to By the Hood. You're talking about adding new money to um to O. Shout out to By the Hood. I want some Bitcoin from them guys. Got me inspired to buy more myself. I don't know about that, but had me thinking about it. So, Charles, you had a tweet where you said, part of owning real estate for the long term is renovating what you own and keeping it. If the area improves, you need to improve with it. So I was at the at the Trump golf course. Amazing experience. 10 out of 10. It might even be more than a 10 out of 10. Amazing experience. Amazing experience. Top to bottom. And I was doing some research on the golf course and it said that he had done like a $160 renovation on the facility. And I thought about that. I was like, he renovated his own golf course and kept it. A lot of people, when they renovate something, they want to sell it or they just don't renovate it. They just be living in what they've lived in. And my grandma has a house in Atlanta and everybody around them has been renovating the properties. And a lot of people are like, they're just content with what they have when they could really improve what they have for a fraction of what it would cost to buy something new and also increase the value. And so when you're in an area where there's a lot of improvements, they're actually doing you a favor. You think that they're robbing you. They're actually doing you a favor. Gentrification is doing you a favor. Why? Because they're increasing the value of the properties. Now, the problem is, in order to get your property on that level, you got to improve your value. But from a math perspective, let's say you bought that house for 40K. You don't owe 40K. My grandma probably owes like 5K on her house. And she could take a loan out for 50K and improve everything there. She could paint the front. She could do all new kitchens, all new bathrooms for 50K. But a lot of the reasons why people will come to you as a wholesaler and say your property is worth nothing is because they have to do a lot of that work and they're going right. to blow up the amount of work to get done. Um, but if you do the work, you get the value. It's kind of like with anything. If Imagine this folks really out here celebrating $10,000 with student loan relief. They're celebrating it. $10,000 with student loan relief. You know what is better than Joe Biden? $10,000 ain't moving the needle for me. I got law school to pay for. $10,000 did not move the needle for a lot of people. But you know what moved the needle for me? It was me getting out there and doing it for myself. I did the work. I get to reap the upside. And so I'm not worried about $10,000. $10,000, I'm not worried about that. And so if you do the work, she puts 50 K into that property. Now that property, if they were to give her an offer, they might even say hundred thousand dollars. It's a hundred thousand dollar house. We got to put a hundred thousand into it and we still need to make some profit. And so that's what they're going to say. They're going to offer a hundred K. They're going to say they're going to put in a hundred K. They might even put in a hundred K. They probably got better systems than that. So they can get it done for way cheaper. But let's just say they put a hundred K into it on electrical, all new plumbing, all new roof, all new kitchen bathrooms, all that stuff. 
Now, what she could do is she could put 50K or even if she put 100K into it, she owns she owns 4,000 on it, puts 100K into it. Now that house is worth $300,000, if not more. So what she did is she took a house where she would have only had like $100,000 in equity and turned it into a project where now she has $200,000 in equity and she financed mm -hmm. the whole thing. And so if you participate in what's going on, you get to reap the upside instead of just giving away the upside. A lot of what slavery is and a lot of what being an employee is, is just giving up your upside. That's all it is. You're giving up the upside. You go to the safety and security of a job so that you can get your bare minimum. And then you know what they do? They get the upside because they took the risk. They brought in the clientele. They did the work mm. to do it. If you're an attorney and they're paying you $40 an hour, $50 an hour, but they're billing you out at $400,000, what happens to the upside? They keep the upside. But if you go out there and you bill yourself out at $400 an hour, you keep the upside. Learn to keep the upside. Learn to do the work. Learn to be that person and stop waiting on anybody else. You can't you can't do it. And that and this Joe Biden thing was further proof that you can't wait on nobody. Imagine folks sitting around. Joe Biden's been in office for two years. You sat around for two years to wait for ten thousand dollars. You know, you could have made <laughs> way more than $10,000 in two years, but they just want the free. The reason why they want the free is because free is like this perceived unlimited return. If you get $10,000 and you do nothing, it makes it seem like that $10,000 is more than it actually is because it's an infinite return. Kind of like if you put money into a project, you pull the cash out of the project and you get money on top of the money that you don't have in there to infinite return. It's a lot of investors strive for where people have this infinite return with government resources, not realizing that they got to stay small to get those resources in order to even qualify for the ten thousand dollars. You have to make less than a certain amount of money. Yeah. Now, folks are like, I want to make less. In my opinion, I think that's a terrible rule. I think that everybody should be qualified for that ten thousand dollars. I think that it's unjust to do things like that. But that's just how the government moves. The government wants you to stay small because if you're small, you're dependent on the government. If you're small, you're dependent upon $10,000. Free is a perceived unlimited return. Now, you're saying that they, they keep the upside for themselves. That's an interesting way to put it because it's kind of like record label. Mm -hmm. They give you pennies up front and t keep your masters and your publishing and all this kind of stuff because they're kind of like, well, we're playing a game of numbers here. You put in this investment, we're taking a chance on you. So they keep the upside. It's kind of like the same thing. And then you had a tweet where you said, another reason why I'm against handouts is I don't want anyone to ever think that they put me on and can hold it over my head. Yeah, and it's funny because when things like this happen, people who don't get the benefits start talking. And I experienced that when um, when Erica Williams posted something and she was saying like, oh, yeah, I got to go to my job at the coal mine to pay for somebody's gender studies degree. And I was like, I don't want nobody to ever be able to say that about me. I don't want anybody to ever be able to say, like, I made a way for you. So I'm holding it over you. And that's the other side of a lot of these benefits is now taxpayers are like, oh, why should I have to pay for your this and this and this? And even though they get a bunch of bailouts and a bunch of handouts and a bunch of loan forgivenesses, like they're still going to make that comment. I don't want nobody to ever say nothing about me. Um, I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I'll make away myself. 
that's a big part of the reason why I had to get out the job is because it's like, I don't want anybody making it seem like they're taking care of anything for me. I got this. Maybe that's uh, maybe that's uh, a toxic trait, but it's my trait. It is what it is. It's what it is. You always say, let them give you solutions. They get the upside. They get to build wealth. Oh, I'm not even, even apply for that that 10k relief. I probably won't get it. Actually, if they look at my last three years tax returns, I definitely won't get it. So I'm not even I'm not tripping off of that stuff. Ten thousand dollars. We make ten thousand dollars a day in the stock market. I say that's a one day. Uh, that's a sale. A one day sale. We gonna wrap this up. Sure to follow us on Twitter at TweetTopPod, P-O-D. Follow myself on Twitter at WorkMoneyLife. Follow oh, man, Charles on Twitter at RealTopBillion. Follow us on uh, follow us on Instagram at TweetTopPodcast. Follow the parent company at Todd.Capital and follow Charles at Real Todd Billion on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok at Tweet Talk Pod. That's P O D. And also at Todd dot Capital. Let's gonna leave you guys with one last tweet from Charles. Repeat this one. Remember, the person willing to do the work when they are uncomfortable or unprepared wins and learn to keep the upside. This episode of Tweet Talk the Black Wealth Podcast. Amy Holt, Rafael Husbands, and Charles Oglesby, the third JD. We are out of here. Peace. Yeah. Yes, this is Donald the Voice, the official podcast editor and producer of the Tweet Talk podcast featuring, of course, Charles Oglesby and the man Raphael Husbands. And look, man, if you just listen to this episode, then you know exactly what I'm capable of. You know my swag. You know what I can do. And so without any further ado, I kind of want to give you a special offer for Tweet Talk podcast episode listeners. And here's what it is. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you have podcasts or video editing needs, let's talk. And of course, I'm giving you a real, real nice deal. But you have to mention that you're a Tweet Talk podcast listener. And this offer isn't going to last forever. So if you're on social media or you have a business or you got something going on to where you need somebody to edit and produce your content, come and holla at your boy. And I promise to take care of you, our dedicated listener to the Tweet Talk podcast. Again, head over to DonaldTheVoice.com and hit the contact page and let's have a little conversation. Okay, back to your day, your evening, your morning, whatever's going on. Peace.